Holler. This is Holler Weekly, a transatlantic discussion of country music. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Holler Weekly. I'm Kelly Sutton in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Balin Leonard in London, England. And this is a bonus episode because uh, journalist Kelly McCartney, friend and colleague of Reese Palmer, had such an amazing conversation that we had a little snippet of on our normal Holler Weekly. And then there's a corresponding article over on holler.country. But it's such an important conversation. And um, Kelly had the foresight to record it in such a way that we could put it out as a podcast. We thought, and, and we got such a great response to it, we wanted to put out the entire conversation between Kelly McCartney and Reese Palmer because it's such a, a, a an important conversation that's going on, not just here on Hollow Weekly, but it's going on in the music industry. It's going on specifically within the country music industry, and they've started a brilliant initiative to help um, diversify country music, basically. So that is what they are talking about. So we're going to turn it over to Kelly McCartney and Reese Palmer. When Holler asked me to interview Reese Palmer about the beautifully nonstop career ascension she is currently enjoying, I told them it wouldn't be a normal Q&A between a journalist and an artist. It would absolutely lack any and all objectivity, because at this point, our fates are pretty tightly bound, Reese's and mine. Not only are we good friends, but we're also colleagues at Apple Music Country, each with our own show, and we're co-conspirators in a pair of grant funds that support marginalized artists in roots and country music. So when I told Reese that Holler gave me this assignment, asking for a no-holds-barred conversation between two friends pushing to diversify country and Americana, she said, quote, you could just publish one of our text threads. She wasn't wrong, but that would have had a bunch of emojis, GIFs, and shorthand references. Instead, we took the time to use our words and speak our truths, because this music is at an absolute crossroads right now. It can either shake loose from its deeply racist past, make long overdue amends, and embrace a wonderfully diverse future, or it can cling to Confederate flags, continue its cultural appropriation, and ignore the N-word. Personally, I'd rather be on and by the side of someone who is pushing for equity and justice through everything she does, including a wonderful show on Apple Music Country, a new exhibit at the Country Music Hall of Fame, a commentator gig on CMT, and an incredibly bright horizon. And so I am. You gotta stand your ground when they bury our dreams. We push them up through concrete. We growing where they can't see. These roots run deep, cause we are seeds. When we rise up, no weapon can stop us. No wall can block us. No hate can stop love. We rather take a nap than talk to me i would understand uh because you're on quite a roll friend question it's, are yeah. you making the time to take care of yourself in between everything that's going on no not like i should part of taking care of myself is is fostering my art mm. which mm. is not really being fostered right now because of everything so 
Mondays and Wednesdays are now writing days. Okay, okay. For the new record that yes. will is one of those things on your bright horizon. Yes. 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 Okay. So Okay, well let's st- set the stage for the people who may not have been following everything that's going on. A year ago, you were playing shows around North Carolina and just starting to do the interviews for what you thought would be a little side project podcast <laughs> called Color Me Country. Yes. Then the pandemic hit, which canceled your shows, and I tipped Apple Music off about you. Yes. And now you're in a museum exhibit. You're on the morning news. You just returned to the Grand Ole Opry stage after 13 years. And this is where I quote you, girl, <laughs> what in the world what is happening? What in the world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so really, this is all your fault. <laughs> Really, it's your fault. It's been like a series of people that come in and they're just like, let's just like turn this into like it was a nice little shower and now it's a hurricane and now it's an earthquake and now it's a volcano. And you were one of those people, man. Like you just came in and like just all unassuming and whatnot. My friends are going to email you. Just look out for an email. Yeah. And then everything went from there. Listen, this is everything that I've always dreamed about and like had no clue at the same time. It's the job that I have been preparing for all my life that I didn't know was going to come my way. And so... Or was even a possibility, right? Or even like, a that's possibility. that's for me. I didn't know. Like I said, it was just going to be me talking to my friends. And it's something that my best friend, um, Shelly, had been telling me to do for years. And I was like, girl, don't nobody want to hear me talk. And then when quarantine happened, it just made sense because I was like, well, every I know everyone's going to be at home, so yeah. we'll just do it. Yeah. And I had no idea. Well, now here you are. And I got to say, your set at the Opry was brilliant. Not just because you looked and sounded great, but because you stared them right in the eye with the three songs that you chose. You did not blink. You did not flinch. Tell us about that. Well, I come back to the, all these things, and maybe that's why, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, I think that's why maybe I'm getting a chance to revisit a lot of this, because I'm extremely intentional now, mm-hmm. and everything is done like we have thought about it, down to the color of the dress that I wore and all of it. Like, everything, there's a reason for everything. And I knew that if I had this opportunity and that there was a possibility it'd be another 13 years before I got to do it again, that everybody, well, you were going to get to know who I am now. It's not the young girl that's just going to come and sing country girl for you and be cute and wear her Mm -hmm. little dress. There's intention and there's meaning and I'm going to give it to you and I'll give it to you with a smile, but I'm going to give it to you. And that's kind of what I'm on right now. Like, that's kind of what all of this is. And so activism is a part of it now. And It was then, too. You just didn't know it. I just didn't know it. Yeah. And acknowledgement is a big thing. And so when I leave this stage, you're going to know who I am. You're going to know what I believe. And you're going to know Linda Martell. And you're going to know some history. That was the strategy going in. Like, I knew as soon as they told me three songs, I knew right off the bat what songs they were. With all of these opportunities just all of a sudden opening up <laughs> for you, Mickey Guyton, Breland, and a handful of others, 
it's hard not to be suspicious. Did both the Opry's invitation and the Hall of Fame exhibit, did that feel genuine rather than performative? Country Music Hall of Fame, for sure, was genuine. Because I appreciate the work that they're trying to do there. They're working very hard to be inclusive in the history. And it's evident in the exhibits. It's evident in a lot of the work that they're doing behind the scenes that the public is not even aware of yet. So, no, I, I have no doubt they were very intentional about what they're doing. And I think I was looking at the lineups that the Grand Ole Opry has for the next few weeks. And again, I know some stuff that the public doesn't know. And so I think they're very intentional. And I think it's small steps, but they're very significant steps. So no, I don't. I didn't feel like either invitation was performative. I see some things like Willie Jones just had his Opry debut. Okay. And Willie Jones, like if you know the music, you know that that's like, that's big yeah. for the Opry. Yeah. And I know of a few other people that you and I know okay. um, that you may have given a grant to who is going to be making their Opry debut in a few weeks. Okay. And um, I can't say because I don't want to blow their no, big moment. No, that's, that's but, their news to break. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a person of color pretty much through um, what they have scheduled on the website right now on every show. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. All right. Get it, Opry. Yeah. Go. Look at the yeah. Opry. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked before about how we're okay being tokenized if that's the first step mm-hmm. toward real inclusion. Because we know that once we get in the door, we're going to hold it open for all mm-hmm. our friends to flood in. If we stick together, BIPOC with queer and disabled folks, making sure that we are all always at the table, mm-hmm. then we, we are undeniable. Like, of course. That is a force. So I am so grateful to Apple Music for letting us both do that with our shows because we are changing people's lives. And Hunter, I'm going to throw Hunter Kelly in here yes. too with Proud. So talk to me about the table we're building over there. I can't say enough good things. Like I totally, <laughs> like I'm at the point, like put the tattoo on my forehead. It's fine. Like just put the apple. Just a little apple. Because I just... I really do. I cannot say enough good things about what what they're doing at Apple Music right now. And it's no mistake that there are five shows that are helmed by people of color on Apple Music Country. With more coming that we right. know of that are, that, again, secret. Sorry, people, we can't, we tell, can't you. tell you, but it's true. It's happening. And they're signing more. And then with your show and with Hunter's show... It's just like, it's one of the most inclusive things that I've ever seen in Nashville. It come from Nashville and come from country music in a really long time. Oh, we got to throw Auntie Eljo in there. Oh, Leslie yes, Jordan, yes, 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 Hunker yes. Down Radio, for yes. sure. Yeah, and come on. I mean, and I'm like, they have international shows that are like the Shires. It's a really cool, diverse, interesting lineup that they've created. And you and I and Hunter speak about this often. Like, we just going to jam everything that you let us. Like, so it's just like. <laughs> it's like the little the little kid just like, we're just going to stuff our right. faces until the bowl gets taken away. Until they take it away and they tell us that we can't anymore. And so I think between, between just the three of us, not to mention the other people, but like just the three of us, like we just, we need more time. 
<laughs> it's do. really it's we really do. what what we're trying to say. We need yeah. more hours. Yes. Can we get another hour? <laughs> but it's good and I think when you work intentionally, I think that it shows what you're able to accomplish and what you can get in and what you can make room for if you just put the effort in. Yeah, a, a principle that I keep going back to when I do see people being intentional like that and for myself is something that I heard Dr. Ibram Kendi talk about, which mm-hmm. is you're either actively working for anti-racism or you are passively enabling racism. Mm-hmm. There's no neutral. So all the folks in country music who did not condemn, as you like to call it, the N-word heard around the world, they're passively enabling racism, if not actively enabling it, like a few folks have done, Hmm. and like this festival coming up in June is doing. That tells you all you need to know about those folks, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I say this, and and I'm going to keep saying it, I think the industry has done a good job as far as like, is trying to, show that they're wanting to be inclusive and all that i'd give it a b minus i'd give it a a c plus b minus and there were reactions that i would have never guessed would have happened and so there are institutions that i know of personally that are working to try to rectify a lot of this damage however that culture the culture is toxic shoot morgan wallen even told the people to stop defending him and let things run their course and yet he took a gig in June. I knew that. Yeah, was you coming. did. You called it. I did. Uh, but he's clearly not taking the time to step back and work on himself. He's just not. I mean, I'm not going to speak on Morgan because I don't know. I don't know his personal story. I don't know his situation. So that's on him. I will say, though, that, again, the culture is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. The fact that people are, if you just go read the comments on his record, the reviews on his record, and some people are just buying it just because he said it and because people were upset. And so that needs to be dealt with. That needs to be openly condemned. If anybody wants to know why people of color, LGBTQ, people feel like they can't come to a, a country show and feel safe, or mm-hmm. why they don't feel comfortable, you know, blasting it out of their cars when they're driving. That's why. That's what you need. That's what everybody needs to focus on next is the, is the changing of the culture. There's so much work to do in that regard. So I want to talk about the different levels of anti-racism work. I mean, and I think this applies to any type of activism. But since this is our focus right now, there's ally, there's accomplice, and there's co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think I first learned about this from a BLM organizer. And the way I understand it is an ally doesn't get in the way of your work. An accomplice helps you with your work. And then a co-conspirator does their own work. Okay. So being an ally is a good step, but it's only a first step. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep going from there. And I think too many people... Too many white people think that being an ally, that's their job. It's not. Because otherwise, BIPOC um, folks are going to still be doing all the real work. I was going to say doing all the work, yeah. To dismantle the white supremacy. And it's not their job. This no. is white people's work right here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, we marched. 
We fought. <laughs> and by we, yeah. I mean like my mother and my father. Like it's not even that far removed. Like yeah. everybody's like, oh, it was such a long time ago. No, no. It was no. my mom and my daddy. Yeah. Had separate water fountains that they had to yeah oh no we had yeah we had separate white and black proms when i was in high school in the mid 80s wow in louisiana so yeah oh yeah this isn't new and so like this isn't that old i think it's not as hard as people think it is it's not that's the thing like i'm not asking you to stand in front of my house with a rifle to protect us I'm not asking you to like kick in the doors and like, that's it. We're taking over Warner Brothers Nashville. Like it's, that's not what I'm asking. It's something as simple as when you see someone saying something that is like extremely incorrect, you just, you correct them. You don't have to be a smart ass about it or anything. You just like, actually, that's not true. Or I've seen something to the contrary that you may be interested in. As simple as that. It's it's not these huge moments of grandeur. It's like the very mundane, boring things that happen on a regular basis that you just see and you're like, that's not right. Let me fix that. Yeah, exactly. And let's be real. Whiteness is at the top of the privilege pyramid. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have come to understand that white people have an absolute moral imperative to do those things to speak up, to inform other white people, and also to uplift BIPOC people any chance we get. Because to me, that's the only way we get to equity, which is different from equality. And I think a lot of people are stuck on equality and might not understand the difference. So let's break this down for them. Here's, Here's what I came up with. If a white man has 100 bucks and a white woman has 50 bucks, and a black person has zero bucks, then giving them all the same payout of one buck does not make them equal. That's equality, but it doesn't make them equal. We have to level the playing field first by building the equity for the black people, for the other marginalized identities at the bottom of the scale. And that is where reparations, or as we like to call them, grants. (laughs) (laughs) That's where that comes into the conversation. So tell the people what we're up to with that madness. Well, Well, first, I want to say this before before we get into that. The work of uplifting everybody on the hierarchy is everybody's work. Like, I recognize that as a light-skinned black woman, I recognize that I have the palatable look that a lot of people find pleasant and non-threatening and all that. And so I have to look out for my brothers and sisters who are darker than me mm-hmm. and may not have the same opportunities because of that. So yeah. like I say all that to say it's everybody's work. Like everybody's got yeah. a privilege at some point, some place. And so it, it, we all yeah, have there's to a become, hierarchy. Yeah. I'm a white queer person. My whiteness is higher on the hierarchy than my queerness. I have that work to do. So yes, we are all reaching back and pulling pulling up. Yeah. Agreed. Now, in, in reference to what you just said, yeah, we, Kelly is like the purveyor of all the ideas and the things. Well, first of all, Kelly has given me a rainy day fund grant, which helped with my show in the very beginning when it was just the Reese show before Apple came into the picture. And so like you've been throwing bags of money at me. 
for a long time. Um, <laughs> and so Kelly calls me in December and is like, how do you feel about doing something like Rainy Day for Color Me Country? And I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. So between the two of us, with Rainy Day covering BIPOC, LGBTQ, disabled artists, um, marginalized people, basically, and then Color Me Country reaching out to artists of color who are pursuing country music, we're trying to make sure that not having money is not the reason why you're not creating and why you're not existing in these spaces. And so whether you need to pay your rent, whether you need to pay a medical bill, or you need to get a demo done, just whatever, like we got you covered. And it's like, you don't, you don't need to fill out paperwork. I don't need an essay. You don't need to write out your hopes and dreams for the next five years. I just like, I'm overwhelmed. I did not realize until today that we had given out 18 of them. Yeah, just color me country. Yeah, I'm like I it my I'm a I'm a terrible secretary, so <laughs> I just was going through and I realized as I was putting pictures together that that was the case and that just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, and now that uh, Saint Brandy Carlisle has yes. come into the into our fold. Yeah, by the time this posts, we'll have a whole new chunk of money in our account. Yeah, from CMT, Looking Out Fund, and Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. Thanks to, again, Kelly being like, how about you give me some money? How about, <laughs> hey, friend. Hey. Hey, friend. Hey there. Over here, we could use some of that. <laughs> Heard you yeah. got some spare bags. Exactly. <laughs> We're not going to be greedy or anything. Yeah, just, just a little <laughs> bit. But no, like, closed mouths don't get fed. So I'm thankful for people like you that are like, I'm going to ask because I'm not the best at that. Like, that's not my gift. So this is, yeah, I'm thankful good, to have you be my partner in this. Yeah, it's a great partnership because you make the good out front spokesperson ambassador to the world kind of thing, which is just not my jam, really. <laughs> The poor rainy day Instagram has like 10 posts <laughs> and, yeah. and it's been around for two and a half years. <laughs> That's all right. But, but, see, but you are in the, but you're like what you, what you lack in social media posts, you make up for it in like great ideas and what the kids say is chutzpah. You, you got it. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, let's keep it going. Let's just, and that's the work. It's like, that's how we kind of both made this point to someone on Instagram the other day. BIPOC and queer folks want to be part of Americana and country music as audience members, mm -hmm. but they're not going to be until they see themselves reflected on the stage. So doing the work we're doing both in front of the scenes and behind the scenes to get more diverse faces on those stages. That's what will change the audience and the culture. But we gotta, we need, we do, we need some help on that toxic culture thing. And that's where those, the institutions need to step up. That's, that's bigger work than you and I can do. 100%. I mean, like, honestly, that's, that's us. That's not a country music. They don't have a, a monopoly on that. Like that's, no. an, 
that's an American. That's unfortunately that's one of our that's one of our imports exports. Yeah. yeah, is is the the toxicness and like this lack of. We don't want to talk. We don't want to have nuanced conversation about anything. And it's horrifying. And like we like to cling on to to the buzzwords and like like if I hear cancel culture one more time, I do think I'm going to jump off my porch. You gonna cancel some culture? I'm gonna cancel some culture because like it's it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard before in my life. Nobody has. I can think of people that have been canceled. I can think of immigrant children that have been canceled. I can think of Muslim people that haven't been allowed in our country that have been canceled. I can think of civil rights leaders who have been canceled, like effectively done. Yeah. So. You know, you go cry in your corner and count your money and be quiet until everybody has forgotten what you did and don't call it cancel culture and shut up. Those are consequences. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw somebody post the other day that actually called it consequence culture, I was like, that's 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 what it is. Yeah, that's That's it. it. And like, I don't want to hear it. Like and just and when we're course correcting, it's either consequence culture or like we're course correcting. Mm-hmm. Because we shouldn't have been doing that dumb stuff in the first place. Yeah, let's replace colonialism <laughs> with consequences. What a novel idea. I said the battle is now, and we are the army. I said the battle is now, it's now, it's now, right now. Hey, when they bury our dreams, we push them up. A big thank you to Kelly McCartney and Reese Palmer for that conversation. Again, if you want to read it, you can go over to holler.country. I love the fact that they're having these conversations, that we are talking about diversifying country music. It's at the forefront, I do believe, of what we have been talking about as well, Balin. So to hear this from their point of view and, and to hear that conversation, knowing that this is what we need to be talking about and that we have the platform now that we can help spread that message, I think that's what we're all about at Holler. Absolutely. We'd love to get you involved with the conversation as well. You can email us your thoughts on this or anything else. Very simple. It's howdy at holler.country. And we'll be back with a, a regular normal me and kelly episode of holler weekly next week we'll holler at you then 